Well, hey, we're continuing our series. We're calling the New Life. It's our summer series, and we're into the third weekend of August already. So, like, it's amazing. Uh, we're almost done with this series, but we're trying to hit the major milestones that we cross in following Jesus. Because two thousand years ago, Jesus changed the world by saying two simple words: "Follow me," and some people did. Some people left their fishing nets, they left their tax collector's booths, they left their old lives, and they went and followed Jesus. And it was pretty simple back then. It was sort of like going off to college. You know, you joined a school, you you left and you went with Jesus. You know, but now, how do we follow Jesus? It can be a little bit more complicated. So that's what we've been talking about is just, let's look at ways we can follow Jesus. Last time, we talked about spiritual gifts the abilities that God gives us, even the positions that we hold so that we can serve in the body of Christ, serve to advance the kingdom of God. And uh, this is important stuff. Just by way of recap, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And in that, uh, we read more than this, but 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 says, there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. And here's a list. To one, there is given through the spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So there's a a list of abilities and then a list of positions and how we all work together is found in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16 says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So this is what we looked at last time, abilities and positions. What do we do for the kingdom of God? You know, like I'm following Jesus. How do I put that into practice? What do I do? Well, look at what God has gifted you to do and do that. You know, that's, I guess that's the short answer. And these abilities and positions in our society are very highly valued. You know, we look very much at, is somebody a good football player? Is somebody a good singer? You know, if they are exceptional, we value that tremendously in our society. But there's something that God values in us much more than our abilities and the positions we may hold. And that is the heart. And that is what we're talking about today. We're talking about making sure we get our heart right. So we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. So we're talking about 
getting our hearts right, you know, you got to deal with your heart as a believer. Now you're following Jesus. You can't have the same darkness in your heart, the same attitudes towards others, the same bitterness, anger, bigotry. You got to get that out of your heart. It's not, it doesn't belong in the heart of the believer. And this is uh, the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit in us changes our heart, and then we have something different come out of us. So following Jesus you know, it's different people make mistakes on what it means to follow Jesus. It's not about technicalities and loopholes. You know, it's not, oh, if I do this one thing, I'll go to heaven and then bah, ha, ha, I can totally ignore God. It's not technicalities and loopholes. It's not about prominence and accolades. You know what I mean? Like, I got to tell you, I was at our pastor's meeting uh, earlier this week. You know, I talked about a couple that comes to church here and you know, I just said to the pastors, you know, when it comes to treasures in heaven, you know, it's not going to be us pastors. It's going to be people like this. And, you know, there's people that serve behind the scenes and they have been their whole lives. And those are people that, you know, maybe aren't even noticed by anyone. You know, they're church cleaning. They're serving in these ways that you don't see. They're going to be the ones that are going to have the treasures in heaven beyond people like me. And, uh, you know, so, the accolades, the the positions, you know, God's not all that interested in that. Following Jesus is not about the superficial outward things. It's not even, you know, completely about knowledge and understanding. It's really about the heart. That's what following Jesus is about, is about the heart. That's what God values. And so that's what we need to grab hold of. In the Old Testament, we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 16 and in the, in the world back then, so there would be like a prophet, and the prophet would choose the king. God would show the prophet who the king of Israel should be, that sort of a thing. Saul was the king, but Saul was messing it all up, so God is going to appoint another king, and he tells Samuel, the prophet, it's going to be a son of Jesse. And Jesse was, uh, you know, a fairly wealthy farmer. He had lots of animals and, uh, you know, was doing well and he had a bunch of sons. And so Samuel, the prophet says to Jesse, Hey, go get your sons. One of them's going to be anointed to be King in the place of Saul. And so this is what happens. We're just going to read a little bit of it. Jesse goes, gets his sons, presents them before Saul. And this is where we pick it up. 1 Samuel 16, verse six, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, one of the sons of Jesse, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Eliab apparently was tall and very good looking and strong. And you just saw him and you're like, yeah, people will follow that guy. You know, he could be the king. And uh, this is the next verse, verse seven. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart. So the Lord values the heart, not how tall you are, not how beautiful you are. You know, all those things, the outward appearance things, they're fine. You know, you might as well be tall. You know, I wouldn't mind being a little taller. I'm fine where I'm at, but <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't mind having hair. That'd be sweet, you know, but whatever, here I am. I'm just going to be me and everything is good. But, you know, it's okay to have a good outward appearance. It's okay to be good at things and to excel in, you know, sports or literature or other academic pursuits. Like, that's fine. But the heart is the thing that matters to God above, way above all of those other things. And so we need to grab hold of that. The problem 
that's described here is, I think, even more true today. It says, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People look at the outward appearance. This is true. People look at the outward appearance and how much more now in today's ultra superficial media culture, like ways so superficial, you know, like you can, you can filter your pictures to make you look better. Like it's not even the actual outward appearance. It's a doctored outward appearance. Like how much more superficial is our society now than it was back then when they're actually laying eyes on people. And don't let yourself get sucked into a superficial view of other people. I don't even know how to express this strong enough. Don't let yourself get sucked into a superficial understanding of other people. In today's world, with the divisions that we have, I've heard, I should look this up, but it was in the uh, Dr. Alan Tennyson, you know, pandemics, polarization in the people of God. I think, you know, that talk that he did that we have on our website, you know, he talked about how there's a difference between how people are perceived and how they actually are and how that is as strong now as it's ever been. People on the right think something about people on the left, but they're wrong. People on the left think things about people on the right, but they're wrong. Like they're more wrong now than they've ever been. It's a misperception. So we don't want to get sucked into that. Instead, we want to examine our attitudes and our motivations, examine our emotions and align them with God. It's vitally important. The state of the heart of the believer is very important. And it's often described in the scriptures as fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is how the heart condition of the believer is described. So we're going to go to the the classic section, which is Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read 22 through 26. 22 and 23, kind of the list of the fruit of the Spirit. I do not consider this to be an exhaustive list. I think it's just a bunch of examples, but it sort of is a, a very good list. So here we go, Galatians 5, 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit, the things, the heart condition of the believer is to be, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, but with people, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So, let's not fall off and fail in this area. Let's grab hold of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, this is such an important topic, and one of the things that's really important here is it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit are, but it says the fruit of the Spirit is. Love, joy, peace, forbearance goes through the list. The fruit of the Spirit is, not the fruits of the Spirit are. The gifts of the Spirit are, the fruit of the Spirit is. So there's a whole bunch of different gifts of the Spirit. Everybody has different gifts. The whole point of what the Bible teaches about the gifts of the Spirit is that we're all different. We all bring different things to the table. And as we learn to work together, we bring those special abilities, those special talents to bear as we work together, all filling different roles in the body of Christ to create a better whole. You know, and here, when it's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, all believers are to have everything in the list of the fruit of the Spirit. All believers don't have all the gifts. You may have just a a few. That's how it's supposed to work, you know. 
You just have a little bit of the gifts of the Spirit, and you're dependent on everybody else to to make the whole work. But all of us are to have all of the fruit of the Spirit. You know, you don't get to say, oh, well, forbearance, that's not my fruit. You know, like, that's not my fruit. Like, you could say, well, you know, music isn't my gift. You can say that, and then you somebody might say, oh, come on, you know, oh, let me show you. And then they'll be like, oh, yeah, I, I guess music is not your gift. You know, and then you can bring that to bear. But you can't say, well, I'm just not patient. That's not my fruit. I just don't have love for others. That's not my fruit. Like you don't get to say that. All followers of Jesus are to have everything in the list of the fruit of the Spirit. So which is more important? What we talked about last week, the gifts of the Spirit, those high-level abilities and positions, or the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, which is more important? It's pretty clear in our society that it's gifts, it's abilities and important positions in society, you know, we'll overlook a character flaw if you're really good at playing football, you know, we'll overlook a character flaw if you have lots and lots of money and important position. And even in the church, even in Christian culture, you're like, oh, that guy's a really good preacher. You know, he's mean to people, but he's a good preacher. And that person can rise in the ranks because even in Christian culture, a superficial view of other people is unfortunately there and something that can be exploited. So that's a problem. Certainly in our society and even sometimes in Christian culture, the the gifts, the abilities, the positions are more highly valued than the heart. But it's very clear in the Bible that it's the heart, the fruit of the Spirit, that is more important than gifts and abilities. And this is made extraordinarily clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 12, the very last verse, verse 31, and then we go into verse into chapter 13, just a few verses, because in chapter 12, Paul is talking about all the different gifts of the Spirit, these different abilities, and how we all work together with our different abilities to form one body. That, you know, and that's the, the whole point of chapter 12. Then chapter 13 is super, super important with regards to the fruit of the Spirit. Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, meaning I don't love other people, and I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, that again, love for others, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So biblically speaking, which is more important? You know, these, these things, uh, the, the gifts or the fruit, it's clearly the fruit. Things like tongues and prophecy, knowledge, mountain-moving faith, giving incredible amounts of money and personal sacrifice, all of those are in that beginning of chapter 13. All of those count for nothing if your heart isn't right towards others, if you don't love other people. So it isn't like there's this, you know, oh, I don't know, gifts, fruit. It's, it's gifts are here and the fruit of the Spirit is here. That's how it is. Our hearts have to get right. We got to get our hearts right before God. So 
Let me ask you, do you believe that? Do you believe that spiritual gifts, amazing abilities, incredible opportunities and positions and all of that, that that counts for nothing if you don't love other people? Do you believe that? Like you can be the best singer in the world and you're not going to be a good worship leader unless you love people. You can be the best preacher. It's not going to do any good unless you love people. You can be an incredible philanthropist and give incredible amounts of money, but it doesn't count if you don't love people. Do you actually believe that? If you don't believe it, honestly, you can only fail God. You got to get your heart right. This is part of following Jesus is getting your heart right. It's essential. Don't forget what the cross is all about. I'm going to see if I can find a verse that describes what the cross is all about. Let's see, Matthew, Mark, Luke. How about the book of John, maybe? Pretty early in the book of John, Jesus is talking to some fancy guy named Nicodemus. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Don't forget what the cross is all about. The cross is all about the love God has for a broken world. It's not about you having your right theology. It's not about you being the, the best you know, it's about God's love for a broken world. And we participate in the cross by loving that broken world as well, being of one heart with Christ to love a broken world. So don't forget what the cross is all about. When spiritual gifts function without the fruit of the Spirit, tremendous damage is done. Just in case you're wondering, yes, people can move in the gifts of the Spirit when their heart is not right. When they are wrong, there is such a thing as false prophets. Jesus warned us, watch out for false prophets. That's, you know, you you see that all over the Bible. You see a gift and the word false with it. So false prophets, false teachers. So there can be false, false prophets, false teachers, things that are wrong but there is a gift associated with it. Somebody can be a great preacher, but they can be doing harm. There can be somebody who is a great singer, but they are doing harm. This absolutely can happen. And we see in Matthew chapter seven, the same chapter where Jesus warns us to watch out for false prophets. Matthew chapter seven, the last part of the Sermon on the Mount, we see this. We're gonna read verses 21 through 23. Jesus says some really, really interesting, amazing things. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What? Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. We'll read through this, and then I'll explain a little more. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. All right. So we see the gifts of the Spirit operating, but Jesus says, I don't even know you. And by the way, you're doing evil. So get out. So what's going on here? Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What is the will of our heavenly Father? His will is that we love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we love our neighbors as ourselves. that we get our hearts right. That's his will. Now there's more to it than that, but that's the start of it. That's the most important part. So we got to get our hearts right. We got to love God, love our neighbor, and then we can start doing the right thing. These people 
were apparently in the religious culture, or this is a prophecy too, you know, they would be in with us, Lord, Lord, they, you know, they say all the right things and they're doing amazing things, but their hearts are in the wrong place. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? You know, like this is important stuff. I think the point of verse 22 is they were li- living at high level giftings, you know, prophecy, performing miracles, driving out demons, you know, like this was high level stuff. Even though it was high level gift operation, it's clear their heart was in the wrong place. I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. So these were bad people. They were doing wrong. They knew the right things to say. They knew how to succeed in the Christian world, but their hearts were in the wrong place. And so Jesus casts them out because he's not looking at outward appearance. He's looking at the heart. It's the same truth as it was in the Old Testament in the times of Samuel and King Saul and King David. It's the same thing, you know, in the New Testament, and it's the same thing today. So we need to be careful and make sure our hearts are in the right place. So there's a trap here. The trap is... Uh, that I see a lot of people fall into is they see someone exercising incredible gifts. Like, wow, that dude can preach. He must be perfect. Everything must be good with that person. Wow, that person has a great prophetic message. They must be perfect. Everything they do must be right. Well, you can preach good and your heart can be in the wrong place and you're going to do damage. You can prophesy and your heart's in the wrong place. You're going to do damage. You know, so just because you're seeing Spiritual gifts operate at a high level doesn't mean this is someone you should follow. You need to look at the fruit. Is there love? Is there joy? Is there peace? Is there forbearance? Or the, is the fruit of the Spirit there in the presence of that ministry? And if not, you need to go somewhere safe because it's not okay. So there you go. Just because you're seeing The gifts of the Spirit operate in power doesn't mean that God is with that ministry. It's about the heart. It's about the fruit. So I hope I made my point about the value of the fruit of the Spirit. (laughs) I've been been hammering that as hard as I can because I, I think it's something, you know, we need to hear in our Christian culture you know, don't you be hating people. You know, who is my neighbor? Who is my brother? Let's let's not be hating people. If you need more about this, you can uh, watch our daily devotions. We're in First John, and uh, you know it's just something that that um, just is pervasive in the book of First John. We got to love one another. We got to love each other. So we got to get our hearts right. But what if your heart isn't right? That's how we're gonna we're gonna transition to that now in our sermon time here. Like you know what I mean? What if your heart isn't right? Have you ever uh, really taken an honest look in your heart and you'd be like, oh yeah, not really love, more like anger, more like bitterness more like jealousy, you know, more like selfishness, more like I hope they get what's what's what I think is coming to them. You look in your heart and you're covetous. You want what other people have and you're mad at them because they have more than you. Or, I mean, like, really, I mean, we have those ups and downs, right? Our heart can be in the wrong place. We don't just want to pretend like, oh, yep, I believe in Jesus. My heart is just good. What if instead of the fruit of the Spirit, you have the verses just before that in Galatians? You know, like, It's not just one list there in Galatians chapter 5. It's two lists. We'll go to verse 19 of Galatians chapter 5. There's a different list. What if this describes your heart and the other list doesn't? What if instead it's this? The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, 
jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. You know, that sort of stuff. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. What if that's what you got going on instead of verses 22 and 23, the next two verses? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. What if, what if the first list, the yucky list, describes your heart better than the second list? Now what do you do? Well, first thing, don't pretend. Don't you pretend because, you know, you're going to have to face this. There's only one option. That's face it. You can face it now or you can face it later, but you don't get to just pretend and have it go away. Facing it now is way better than facing it later. So what if our heart's not right? What if we don't have the fruit of the spirit? You know, we just smile and pretend that that's not going to work. I got three things that I hope will help. Three things that I hope will help if you, if you look and your heart's not right. So here we go. Three things to receive. You got to add something good in there to have something good come out. Here's three things to receive. Number one, receive of the love of God. We love God because he first loved us. Hallelujah for that, that we live in the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. Jesus showed his love for us. The Father showed his love for us in the great plan of redemption, that Jesus would die on the cross for our sins. We would be set free. We love because he first loved us. But I think we don't always catch this. I read a book called The Other, ha- the other Side. No, I think it's The Other Half of Church. The Other Half of Church. It's got to be half. The Other Half of Church. Fix my notes here. It was a good book. You know, a very, very important concept. I would say a, an A-plus concept. And in that, it talks about Numbers chapter 6. You may have heard this before. Numbers 6, 22 through 26. Numbers chapter 6, starting in verse 22, says this, the Lord said to Moses, so we're in the time of Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, who were like the priests, you know, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. So this was the blessing they were to say over the chosen people. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So, you might have heard that before, that, uh, you know, that, forget what they call that, uh, benediction, doxology. I, I don't know those old fancy words, but anyway. Uh, the Lord make his face shine on you. What does that mean? Shine, Jesus, shine. Like, what does the Lord have his face shine on you mean? What it means, according to this guy in the book, the other half of church, I recommend. What it means is, like, when you see somebody that you like, but you haven't seen him for a while, and you're you know, you're somewhere and you see him across the room and you're like, hey, it's that. It's God looking at us and going, hey, oh, it's awesome to see you. I want to give you a hug and be like, ah, oh. you know, like a friend you haven't seen for three years. And then you, you get to hang out with them and you're like, oh, so good to see you. His face shine upon you. It's that. Have you ever had that feeling of God looking at you and going, hey, it's you. Oh, that's a description of the love of God. If we don't feel the love God has for us, I think it's going to be hard for us to get our heart right. If your experience with God is like to not believe in God or to think God is just wanting to get you because you were raised in a toxic religious culture, for example, and so he's the angry old man that you got to, you know, don't wake up the sleeping giant, you know, that sort of a deal. But you don't understand the love of God. You don't understand the, hey, it's you. 
that God looks at you like that, if, if you don't receive of the love of God, I don't know how you're going to get your heart in the right place. So receive of the love of God. But then there's a problem with that. The love, the power, the majesty, the goodness of God, when we truly perceive that, it shows our inadequacies. It shows our failures. It, it shows our unworthiness. And that's a real problem. So we see that, you know, Peter, when Jesus did the miraculous catch of fish, he's like, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. Isaiah, when he sees the the majesty of God. He's like, I'm a man of unclean lips. You know, when we truly see the love and the power and the majesty, the goodness of God, it, it's like, ah, oh, who am I? And that's where we need to receive of the righteousness of God. He redeems us and makes us right. So we want to receive of the love of God. Then we receive of the righteousness of God. We are made right, not wrong, not unworthy, but made right. And as we had our baptism service recently, we had 44 water baptized. Woo! Uh, there's two important parts of that. You know, there's being crucified with Christ. There's the forgiveness of the old, the washing and the cleansing and the getting rid of all that junk, letting it fall off of you. That's part of receiving of the righteousness of God is the forgiveness that we have in Christ through the death of Jesus on the cross. But then there's also the being raised up into a new life, becoming a uh, part of the family of God and being in the inheritance, you know, a co-heir with Christ being, uh, you know, uh, becoming a citizen of heaven, you know, we're put into a right place. So not only are our sins, the things that we're ashamed of taken off of us, but we're set into a right place. This is the receiving of the righteousness of God. So we receive of the love of God. Then we receive of the righteousness of God, not just forgiven and then left in the mush, but lifted up as a citizen of heaven, adopted into the family of God, and made a co-heir with Christ. So we receive of the righteousness of God. Receive of the love of God, receive of the righteousness of God. And then the third one, trying to get our hearts right, is to receive of the Spirit of God. We all need continual help with this because this is a dark world. And overcoming evil with good is hard to do because we can get infected with the evil and we can want to return evil for evil. And that's not what we want. We're going to need some help. We need guidance. We need wisdom. We need the, the heart that is given by the Holy Spirit. We need that spiritual heart transplant. We were reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 with regards to the gifts of the Spirit, and then it continues on the next couple verses. So we read through verse 11 at the way beginning of the sermon, verses 12 and 13. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with you. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So we are given the one spirit to drink. We want to receive of, drink of the Holy Spirit, receive of the Spirit of God. So if your heart's not right, receive of the love of God. See God's face shine upon you like it's you. And then when you realize, oh no, I got stuff wrong with me, receive of the righteousness of God, forgiveness and being put in that right place. And then three, receive of the Spirit of God. Imagine a world where just the believers in Jesus got this right, where the two billion plus people who consider themselves to be Christians were full of love for others, were full of kindness. They were gracious. They were, you know, slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry. What if 
all of the believers in Jesus were selfless and forgiving and wise and patient with other people, full of all of the fruit of the Spirit. What if, what if instead of nitpicky, angry people or whatever, you can just let that one go float off into a lot of crazy places, but what if instead of the dysfunction, every person who said they believed in Jesus was full of the fruit of the Spirit. It'd be a different world. Now, you and I don't have the power to make the whole world like that, but we can make our circles like that. We can step into that with the fruit of the Spirit. We can step into that with the right heart, not returning evil for evil, but good for evil. Kindness in the midst of the darkness, love in the midst of all the yuck, grace, all of those things. We can't do that for the whole world, but we can do that for our families. We can do that in our workplaces. We can do that in our schools. We can do that all over in our world. You bring that to everyone who meets you. I'll try to bring that to everybody who meets me. How do we do that? We're going to close with John 7, 37 through 39. This is Jesus. And here's what it says. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. We've been given of the one spirit to drink. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. But Jesus has been glorified. The Spirit has been poured out. We have of that one Spirit to drink. And when we drink of that Spirit because we're thirsty for the good things of God, then good things will flow out instead of bitterness, instead of judgment, instead of hatred, instead of, you know, bigotry and ignorance will be having the love of God, the peace of God, joy. Well, all the fruit of the Spirit are going to overflow from us into this world. Doesn't the world need that? You and I need that. The world needs that. So let's pray. Let's grab hold of this so that we can walk in the fruit of the Spirit. So Heavenly Father, reveal our hearts to us. Help us to see, are we walking in the fruit of the Spirit? This is something you value but something we can hide, something we can pretend. But Lord, we know that you understand and you see everything. And so we are going to have to face it at one point or another and better to face it now than to face it when we're standing before you. And so Lord, help us to get our hearts right. Help us to receive of the love you have for us. If we've got a father wound, if we've got a a rejection wound, if we don't feel loved, uh, help us to see the love you have for us with your face lighting up. Give somebody a revelation of that. Lord, if, if we need to receive of your righteousness, forgiveness, no longer feeling trapped by the shame of the past, but having that shake off and being set into your family, being set into a right place, receiving of your righteousness, not by our actions or deeds, but by your grace. Let us receive of that. And Father, help us, help us to receive of your spirit, to grab hold of and drink deep of your spirit, that we can be filled with your spirit and the darkness can wash away and your light can come up in us and the overflow of our heart will be love and joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, all the fruit of the spirit. Let that overflow from us into 
our marriages, our families, into our workplaces, our schools, our teams, our friends. Lord, let that overflow. Let it be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.